Welcome in. It's another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast here with the Indie Star once again connecting over Skype. I'm Derek Schultz and the star of the show as always is Indie Star sports columnist Greg Doyle. What's up my friend? We got a lot to talk about in this edition, don't we? We actually have sports to talk about, don't we? <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> Some, something actually happened and now we can talk about something. That's pretty good. You know, I didn't know what to expect with this, you know, like internet, Zoom, NFL draft. It's it's unprecedented, right? You're used to the NFL draft where you have the awkward bro hug between Goodell and the prospects and they're all dressed to the nines and they got their family with them. And weren't they going to come in on like a yacht or something this year? They, it's so crazy over the top. And then instead, it's sort of like, you know, Goodell is Mr. Rogers and it's uh, a campfire chat at his house. And he's reading you a bedtime story, kind of reading off these picks. And I, I didn't really know what to think of it coming in, but I left. I liked it, Greg. Did you? Did you actually like I, They were forced into this, obviously. So I don't know how much longer we would continue to have NFL drafts like this. But I kind of like this curveball, whereas I thought it could potentially have been a disaster a week ago. Yeah, there was there was no glitches at all that I, that I know of. Yeah, I, I would rather I'd rather see this every year. That, I mean, I hate those hugs. On I mean, I hate them. I hate those hugs. They overdo what's, it. What's weird, and I don't understand why the players do that, because the moment you sign your contract, Goodell's your enemy. It's the owners and the players. Sure. And there's union, there's labor strife, and, and Goodell's the one that's going to suspend you nine games for blowing your nose in the wrong spot. Why are you hugging him? I, I, don't, I don't understand why the union hasn't gotten a hold of the draft prospects the ones in New York or wherever the draft is every year, and said, "Hey, uh, don't buddy buddy with the guy because he's not—he's not your friend." I don't—I've never understood that. I'd much rather see these guys in their homes with their girlfriends and their multiple phones and their parents and and their dad fainting like whoever that prospect was. The guy, the dad's fa- that kid's kind of fainted like, "Oh, what just happened?" And he clearly wanted some attention and he got it. So I'd rather see all this than those awful hugs. I have no idea when it started either because I know it never happened with Tagliabue because, you know, when I was growing up and obviously I'm a little bit, well, I shouldn't say obviously, that makes me sound like a jerk. Obviously I'm a little bit younger than you, Greg. Um, I I am younger than you, Greg. And when I was growing up, the NFL draft was just becoming a thing and it was Saturday and Sunday. And the first, I think the first two rounds were Saturday and then it was three, four, five, six, seven, bang, 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 Sunday. And it was an all day event. And the, the TV coverage, you know, Mel Kiper, and then later on it was Todd McShay, but it was mostly dominated by ESPN. It was before the NFL Network was around. And it's not what it's grown into, but it was still a fairly big deal. And I just don't remember – I, I don't remember the hugs, and I, I don't remember it being as over the top as it is. But with all things, uh, as time goes on, it gets more and more crazy. And it was nice to see a more kind of ramped down NFL draft, I thought. Um, I suppose – I suppose that, like a lot of things, it it a guy or two hugged Roger, and then four or five hugged him, and then and then it becomes. Look, I watched the UFC and uh, Bruce Buffer about three years ago. You know, because he gets in their face when he's introducing him, and somebody I don't know who it was. Somebody put his hand out and and bumper they fist bumped, and now probably three quarters of the fighters bump fist with buffer before the fight and pretty soon it's going to really? be everybody yeah yeah he in this corner or the you know in the, this side of the cage whatever so it just it, things like that grow but I, i'm more puzzled by something you said earlier um obviously you said i'm younger than you Greg. yeah 
that that was uh that why was is it obvious thing to say well, why is yeah, it obvious I don't know why i don't know why it's obvious i mean i i have the full i still have colored facial hair so i think that's probably part of it um i have a little bit still on top here hair wise right shows son, i'm a little bit younger son i was writing stories before you were out of diapers so if you want to talk about <laughs> you want to talk about I'm going bald and I'm going gray, I'm not, I'm not that. that young. I'm not that young, my man. What are we? What are we? Are you forty five? Close enough. All I can tell you is I had a birthday <laughs> a couple days ago. I had a birthday a couple days ago. Happy birthday! Thank you. And my girlfriend, wonderful woman named Whitney, um, bought me about the nicest heavy bag, st- freestanding heavy bag you can buy. And put it in her garage and helped me assemble it. And today I had a great workout on a heavy bag in her garage. So I may be 97 years old, but I can kick everybody's ass. Or I've been in the gym. I haven't been in the gym in two months. So you can definitely kick my ass, Greg. Nobody There's has. No about that. I finally got a workout. Yeah. I finally sweat today. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I feel terrible. I'm looking at some of these draft prospects, and I'm like, damn, are they doing, like, push-ups at home or what? I mean, I, I guess a lot of them have private access to gyms that they can go to, but uh, I'm feeling way, way, way out of it. Speaking of what? which, by the way, hold on. I know we're going to talk almost all NFL, but, you know, access to gyms. Um, I find it really interesting that the NBA is going to, in, in the states that rescind the stay-at-home orders, and right now Oklahoma and uh, Georgia, right? Georgia. Right. Yeah. Oklahoma, Georgia, and about eight or ten others, they expire if they don't get renewed. They expire at the end of April. If you're in those states, if you're franchised in those states, they, they can open their facility up for just, you know, go up there and get some shots up. And it's not a huge deal, yet I, I'm not sure how I feel about, about the NBA saying half our players can use their team facilities. And the other half, because, because you live in a state where your governor actually cares about your well-being, um, you can't work out in your gym and maybe not, you can't work out anywhere if you don't have access to a court. I, I think that's a terrible idea. I saw a follow-up from, I think it was from Wojnarowski that said that the NBA is going to do everything it can to facilitate getting players from States that are still on shelter in place to facilities in other States that aren't. But to me, it just, I, I feel like you're just opening it up for people questioning that and thinking that there's an unfair advantage. Well, now, um, how are you going to get somebody? Let's say this thing goes on for three more months, the shelter in place in some states. So, and Indiana right now is shelter in place. Are they going to say, Victor Oladipo, I'll tell you what, um, you played in Oklahoma City once, you, you might know where the restaurants are. We will put you in an extended stay hotel or what, or a nice hotel, whatever, for three months, just so you can get up 45 minutes of shots a day or three hours of shots a day. But but you've got to pack up and leave wherever you live and go stay in a hotel in one of their states. While meanwhile, Russell Westbrook is sleeping at home every night and going to the gym and then coming home. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. And again, I, I realize getting up shots. It's not that big a deal. It's 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 not that it's not that big a deal. But it's something. If it was nothing, then nobody get up shots. If it doesn't matter, then don't shoot. It obviously matters because they're going to go to the gym and shoot in their home gym and 80% of the league isn't. And I just don't, I don't get it. Yeah. It's something to keep an eye on for sure. Cause I still, as excited as I was, I'm still very skeptical that we're going to complete this NBA season. We're uh, not going to complete this. Think, 
that it's going to be with fans. If they do complete something, it, there won't be any people in attendance for it. We're not completing this NBA season. We're not resuming this NBA season. And I, everybody out there listening that's mad, like, I have no power. Me saying that, I'm not speaking it into existence. I'm not Roger uh, or uh, whoever the damn NBA, Adam Silver, whoever's running the league, which is really Wojnowski, he's not listening to me right now and saying, oh, Greg says, therefore, I've got nothing to, I'm just saying it's not going to happen. So, and I, and I, I suspect you probably agree, but anyway, I just, and, and listen, I, I'm in the, I'm in, um, what's it called? Uh, Fusix. It's a downtown hardware short store next to Needler's near Mass Ave. Okay. Possible my girlfriend lives right off Mass Ave. It's possible I've got the absolute coolest woman that you've ever seen. It's all these things are possible. Yeah. Here's what's definite <laughs> is that I'm in Fusix today and and I'm wearing my little mask and, and the woman helping me is wearing her mask and and she's talking about how just kind of grumbling about how you know this is all gonna because I said she t- made a comment about the virus, and I said, "Yeah, that's the way it is right now." And she goes, "Yeah, it's going to come back in the fall. That's what they say. They say it's going to keep you know spiking and all that." And okay, uh, and then she says she kind of mutters under under her breath as she walks away. More people still die from the flu, and she walks walks off like that is the talking point that the other side says the flu kills more. Okay, how about how about this? Let's just take the shelter in place out. Let's go back two months. Take it out. Let's play the Final Four, March Madness, and all these basketball games. Let's let everybody cough on everybody, and let's have the, the movie The Stand happen in real life, and let's have 100 million Americans die. Is that what you want? Do you want to go back in time and kill all of us so you, at least you can say, well, it would have been worth it to shelter in place because, damn, this thing killed everybody. Uh, no, we're sheltering in place, and we're flattening the curve a little bit. Please don't play the the flu kills more. Apples and no. oranges. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a mathematician. I can tell you this, nobody's going to be able to find a flu season in modern history that killed 50,000 people in six weeks. So people don't want to hear facts. All they yeah. want. And listen, as someone, and of course you're out of work, but I, and I, I get furloughed and I'm getting furloughed in, in a week and a half. So I'm not completely working, but I'm not out of work. So I get it. I really do get it that if you're out of work or, or if your fa- parents are out of work or your, your kids are out of work or whatever, I mean, I, believe me, I, I mean, this blows and this is, I mean, I don't even mean, I'm not making light of any of that. I, I get it. It's just that, and there's got to be certain people that can go back to your jobs. There's got to be things that you, surely there are certain people that can go back. Just because we can't play Major League Baseball doesn't mean that you can't go sit in your office somewhere. Surely we can get some people back, but I just can't hear the rationalization of how this isn't that big a deal. This is the worst deal we've had in our lifetime. And only the extraordinary measures we're taking has not made this thing a sci-fi movie. That's it. Yeah, I understand people's frustration. I just don't get the stupidity. You know, you can be frustrated, just don't be dumb. And I I think we're getting a lot. And and you know what, Greg? Honestly, I think it's a very small number of people that we're talking about that are really being reckless and stupid and ignoring this and and all that. But but those are the people that get the most play because that's what people like to click on and talk about on the TV news and all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, hey, speaking of dumb, we're we gonna talk about what happened to Jake uh, Jacob Eason. Yeah, you were fired up about that. By the way, I'm gonna. You know how Brian Hoyer? I've called him Brian Hoying or Bobby Hoyer or whatever I've done. <laughs> um, I've already stopped myself twice in stories. I've had to like, wait a minute, what did you say? I've called him Tony twice. I've called him Tony Eason twice, and I, I've deleted That's a it. Throwback. Yeah, before I even his dad's name is Tony, but he's not. His dad's not the Tony that played for the Patriots, but. Anyway, I, you know, I'm a little bit older than you, 
and I grew up with Tony Easton as the quarterback that I know. So there's a quarterback here, and his name is Easton, and I'm going to call him Tony, and it's just going to happen. And uh, anyway, so but that's not the stupid part about this weekend, although that is pretty stupid. The stupid part is that Jacob Easton uh, is you know doesn't get drafted in round one. No one's really talking about it. So what? He's, he wasn't going to go in one. He doesn't get drafted in two or three, and I'm not sure it would have been okay then. But at some point, maybe you say there's some there's some issues with Jacob Eason that you know whatever. I I don't think I would have liked it then. But what I don't like is he gets picked in round four. It the moment happens for him, and that's when Chris Mortensen says, "Well, he's got some char- character issues." And he names two of them: accountability, which is a very vague. I don't even know. You know, okay, prove that one. Accountability and also um, work ethic. Work ethic, yeah. Okay, he's six six two thirty and throws the ball farther than anybody. Pat Mahomes. He, he's worked pretty hard to get that, but he throws out these two vague things and then says, there's a list of four. I mean, Mortensen said there's a list of four or five character issues here with, with Jacob Eason. That's why he slid. Um, and he said that on, on ESPN and keep in mind that I don't, we, they don't, we have the, I don't know if we have the ratings yet for this thing, but this thing was watched by a hundred million people or, or probably more. I mean, everybody heard that. And that's what happened to this guy. And, if, and the thing is this guy got drafted by the Patriots or, or the Steelers or anybody else. I'd have thought that's unfortunate, but, but I, you know, I wouldn't have written a whole column about it. But he got drafted by by the, by the team in my city. I was pissed, and uh, anyway, I'm still pissed. Well, the thing is, Greg, think about this: he's not there, his family isn't there. So guess what? They're seeing all of it right unfold on TV, and and I guess you could say, well, that's the case for any fourth round pick because the green room guys are only what they invite the top forty or something like that. But still, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. My first reaction was, wow, really? We're going to drop? Because usually you start with the compliment and then you say, oh, but he may have fallen because of this, right? But you lead you lead with the good stuff, uh, you know, 95% of the time. Um, I remember when Randy Moss got taken, whatever that was, 20-something years ago. And even they rolled through his highlights and sh- talked about how dominant they, he was. And then they were like, oh, yeah, well, this, this, and this, and this happened to him while he was at Marshall or on his way to Marshall. And, and here's and, the know, thing, it, Derek. It's fine is to that mention that. Nothing happened to Jacob Eason. There, there is no this, this, and this. There's no, there's no video of him on the sideline getting into it with somebody. There's no video of him asleep by a pool while his team is practicing. There's no video. There's no a police report. There's no arrest. There's nothing. There is nothing there. And I'm not saying... I'm not saying the guy's Mr. Perfect. We we might find out that he's a jerk. We might or lazy or what we might. But right now, Mort is letting anonymous sources bash this kid. And you just don't do that. You you damn sure don't do it right then. You just don't do it. And the thing about Mortensen is what really pisses me off is his son was a big time recruit at quarterback, just like Jacob Eason transferred, he went from Arkansas to Samford, tried out the NFL, didn't make it. I'm not here to say Alex Mortensen, Chris's son, is not good football. My point is not that. My point is, Mortensen, you're a dad. You had a son walk in very similar shoes to Jacob Eason, and you're trashing Jacob Eason with hot air from people that might have an agenda with no facts, like zero. I I just... I'm still pissed off about it. I mean, somebody must have... Somebody had to have told him something, but that doesn't mean that that is the the truth of the. You know, I talked to a guy in Seattle that I know pretty well, uh, Dave Softy Mahler, who's been a, a host there for a million years, and he's like the UW super guy. And he told me that he never got the vibe that Eason. He said that Eason 
and it, when he said it, it reminded me, you remember AJ Hammonds? He would have come in. He would have been there yeah. right when you started here. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I think, I don't think AJ Hammonds was lazy. I think AJ Hammonds was just a really super quiet laid back kid. And I think people that came off as him being lazy. And that's what he kind of said about Eason was that I don't think he was lazy. I just think he was kind of a quiet laid back kid. So well, take that for whatever it's worth. What happened before the NBA draft this year? Um, there was some scuttlebutt, not much, but there was some about does Romeo love the game enough? You know, he was asked about that uh, at the at the draft combine yeah. in Chicago, and Romeo is one of these guys that just, I mean, you you can't tell what's going through his head because he, he never changed his facial expression, and I just we want people, I guess, to look like we want to like we expect them to look at all times, and if they don't, well, then something's wrong there. Not everybody is wired the way you're wired, but. But even so, I just, uh, I just, I, I don't like empty hot air. I've been told a lot of bad things about a lot of people that I've never written. Like Mortensen, put it this way: if he were a sports writer for the Indy Star or ESPN.com, whatever, you can't. Your editor won't let you run with that. You you can't write that, and and your editor won't print that. Like, okay, what is it? What what is? You can't. But because you're on TV and there's no one to stop you. I've been on radio shows and said some stuff that I would never write, and I'm not oh, yeah. proud of that. You just you can. Say whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> and so anyway, I just, it sounds like I got a horrible axe to grind with Chris Morrison. I really don't. I just that exact this one moment, this one kid coming to the team in my city, um, and, and I, I don't know if this makes me a homer. I I, have, I really don't know. Uh, I really you know told, Jacob Eason, you can win or lose games. That's that's up to you. But no one's crapping on kids in my city. It's not going to happen. Not without me. Eason was, uh, while we're on the topic, I know he was the fourth guy taken, but because we're we're on Eason right now, let's let's talk about him as a prospect and as a player. Um, I thought Chris Boward was very blunt discussing him. Um, I don't think fan expectations, just because he's a quarterback, maybe fans expect him to be something. To me, Greg, uh, this is the ultimate flyer pick. Uh, Jacob Eason, over the life of his rookie deal, is only going to make something like three or four million dollars. It's really not a huge chunk of change. A fourth round pick isn't a gigantic investment. If there's something there with that great body and arm that he has, then maybe the Colts can tap into that and build on it, and it's found money. But if there's not, then you have a cheap backup for a couple of years. I mean, that's how I'm approaching it. I, I'm not viewing him as the quarterback of the future because um, I just don't know if he's capable of doing that without an extreme amount of polish from what I've read up on him. Yeah, what, what you can't do is what you, you can't refer to his um, he's got a great arm. You've got to say arm talent. It's it just if you want to be cool, you got to say you got to say QB one WR two QB one yeah, and you got to say arm talent and you got to say players flash. <laughs> players don't they don't look good. They don't make a big play. They don't do whatever. Players flash in training camp. So make sure you get the cool football lingo down because that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> um, yeah, I was taken aback um, by how hard Ballard and I wasn't on that zoom call, I just read the transcripts later, but I was taken aback by how hard he went on the slow down the hype train for T Jacob Eason. I keep wanting to call him Tony. Not that anybody was hyping him up really. I mean, I, I you know, when he got drafted, I tweeted out, hello Colts quarterback of the future, which may have been an overstatement, but I, I mean, that, anyway, the, we're not really hyping him that much. And even my story defending him, his right to not be crapped on by ESPN never said he's going to be great. But Chris Ballard never all he said was he's compete with Chad Kelly. I mean, never mind. I mean, he's not competing with Brissett. He's competing yeah. with Chad Kelly. 
you drafted a fourth round guy to compete with a guy that's on your taxi squad. I mean, that's really weird to come out and say that and actually to mean that. Well, Ballard's got to coddle his guy. So, you know, the, the, it, it shouldn't even make me angry, Greg, but it just, it makes me angry how much they coddle him. And people, you know, were responding to me last night on Twitter and they were saying, Schultz, what do you want Ballard to say about Brissett? I, I just don't, I, I want Ballard to be straightforward with me like he is with everybody else. The only guy that Ballard is not straightforward about is Brissett. They can sit there and say all they want about how much they value him, and they might really value him as, as a guy. I don't dispute any of that. I, I believe that they love him as a person and as a locker room guy. But every single action that they've made this offseason has shown that they don't think Jacoby Brissett is their guy. So Ballard and the Colts can talk around that all they want, but this whole embellishment of, oh, he's still a top 20 guy, he's still a star, baloney. You don't feel that way. If you felt that way, you wouldn't have paid a 38-year-old 25 million bucks. Right. If he's actually, if you still think he's a starter in this league, then you keep him around. You re-sign him to an extension, and when Philip Rivers finally retires, you've got you've got your guy. I you don't draft Jacob Eason if Jacob. I loved your tweet. I forget exactly what you said was, but but you you know you laid out the facts of they don't really like Jacoby, and then you quote him, but he's our guy. You laid out the facts. They signed Philip Rivers, but he's our guy. They draft Tony Jacob Eason, but he's our guy. I mean, that was a great tweet. I loved it. Yeah, and it just <laughs> it just frustrates me because I feel like. I, and I like Chris Boward. I know you like Chris Boward. And I think he's a smart guy. And I think for the most part, he's been about as honest as you can be. But I just feel like they've been coddling Brissett um, along the way here. And, and I can't really figure out why. Because I, I think it's really poor roster management to have three quarterbacks, especially when one of them is making $21 million and likely isn't going to see a snap. I mean, something we haven't talked about, sure, something could go wrong. It always can. Phillip Rivers hasn't missed a game since 2006. So he's, he's been Mr. Mr. Durable. And, you know, the people that are like, well, you need to keep Brissett because he knows the offense. If something happens to Rivers, God, nothing's happened to Rivers in 15 years. <laughs> you know, right? I, I can be hit by a bus tomorrow. That doesn't mean that I'm going to pay somebody $21 million to, uh, to stand in for me on this podcast, right? Yeah, and he's the best. This is the best offensive line, I guess. He's perhaps played behind, and he's not mobile. It's not like, well, yeah, but he, the way he runs in traffic, he's going to get hit. He doesn't run in traffic. He gets rid of the ball. He's Dan Marino. He gets rid of the ball. You can't get to him because he's getting rid of the ball. So yeah, that the, I, I feel like with with Brissett, um, the trade offers must have been his trade market must be embarrassing, and the Colts just aren't going to say they're not going to announce Kobe Brissett was traded today for a sixth round draft pick to the Bengals. You know, they're not going to announce it because that looks bad on them. So they're just keeping them. And now because – and I suspect he will be the backup. I suspect Easton will be a third-teamer this first year. But maybe they're just they're talking him up, talking him up, because just in case Rivers gets hurt, just in case, they want Brissett's head in the game. That's all I can think. Yeah, I, I just think they, they're – like you, they're getting pennies on the dollar for the offer, and so they feel like let's just eat the 21. He's more valuable to us as a backup in 2020 than a – a six-round pick or a seventh-round pick, whatever it is. Um, I love the Michael Pittman pick. I love what the Colts did with that because this was a very deep receiver draft, and there are guys at the top like Ruggs and CeeDee Lamb that, that might end up having more of an impact. But what the Colts really needed, Greg, they needed a second receiver. And it looks like, for all intents and purposes, there is absolutely no reason why Michael Pittman can't be, to borrow one of your terms, uh, a really capable WR2 for the Colts, at least in the interim, and maybe, and maybe someday a WR1 for them. Once T.Y. Hilton gets up there in age. Yeah, the guy is uh what, 6'4, 220, and runs a 4'5, 240. That's uh, I mean, you're describing Michael Evans, you know, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You're describing, I mean, that's 
not many guys, 6'4", 220, run, there's not a lot of A.J. Greens out there that can do a 4-4 at that size. It just, I mean, there's a reason A.J. Green's the best in the world because that's what – so uh, he's not slow. And uh, he apparently has great hands. He was targeted 175 times, or at least 175 passes were catchable, and he caught 170 of them in college, something like that. Some yeah, crazy five number. drops. Five, five drops, drops in four years. Yeah, five Eric drops, Ebron four years. Had five drops this morning. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> Eric Ebron had five drops that one game against somebody, and I asked him, <laughs> "What about all the drops?" And he goes, "What drops?" Okay, okay, Eric, you yeah. you, you go be you. I'll miss him. Uh, and then uh, Jonathan yeah, Taylor, he, the other second round pick. Um, he was an insanely productive at Wisconsin, as most Wisconsin running backs are. I saw him, Greg, have one of the greatest individual performances I've ever seen from a college player, at least in person. That 300-yard game in West Lafayette and triple overtime that Wisconsin won a couple of years ago. Uh, that said, two things I don't like about it. One, I don't, I don't like trading up and using draft capital on a running back. And two, of all these guys that were insanely productive at Wisconsin, who really is the gold standard? You know, Monte Ball, James White, you know, Melvin Gordon, I guess the jury's still out on. Jonathan Taylor from a couple years ago. You know, Ron Dane was kind of a bust. He was okay. He hung around for a while, I guess. Jonathan Taylor from a couple years ago? Who, who are you saying? Uh, all these running backs from Wisconsin. That, would... or, I'm sorry, sorry. Jonathan Taylor, who they who they just drafted. But these guys from a couple of years ago in the oh. 2000s that, that had been insanely productive Wisconsin backs. So... Uh, Dane was 2000, right? Or was he 99? Any, you, you know what I mean? Most yeah, recent yeah. Wisconsin running backs, uh, barely any of those guys have been really big impact players in the NFL. I mean, even James White, James White's fine. I, I don't know if he's an impact player and I still don't know if Melvin Gordon is, but he's got to stop holding out and actually playing for, um, <laughs> you know, he's got to be on, on good terms, I guess, with his team not, to show what he listen, can do. Not one of those guys, not one of those guys is anywhere near as big as six. Six foot, two hundred twenty pounds, and an Olympic type sprinter. You know, Ron Dane was heavier but shorter. The other guys were, most of them were smaller. None of them are faster. I mean, none of them. The guy runs it ran a, as a, as an eighteen year old ran a ten five hundred, which means he he could be faster now if he didn't you know t- didn't take a pounding and you know wasn't probably heavier than he. Th- those measurements are crazy. They're stupid. And as good as Wisconsin backs are, and Ron Dane's the record holder, Ron Dane played four years. If Jonathan Taylor played four years he'd have blown a thousand yards past Dane. I mean, he put that record out of reach. Um, he did under that record. What Vinatieri, I think just has done, is going to do the scoring record. Just it's, it's, uh, you're not going to catch him. It's, it's too late. So no one will ever catch that. Jonathan Taylor was going to, was going to do that because there never, no one's going to come around long run for 8,000 yards in four years. That's, that's not going to happen. And it didn't happen with him because he's too good. So I'm not worried about the Wisconsin connection uh, comparison. I'm just, He's got nothing in common with James White aside from the fact they both wore red jerseys. That's it. Yeah, you're right. Each player is his own guy. But what I worry about is these Wisconsin high-volume running backs. You know, Taylor had 980 carries, I think, in three years. These high-volume guys, it's almost like they get they get chewed up and spit out in Madison. And by the time they get to the NFL, they end up now, just being, you know, kind of okay. I guess the Colts only need him to be okay. I mean, in, in today's NFL, I don't think you really need to have the elite running back anymore. And Taylor can certainly be a compliment to Marlon Mack and then maybe eventually uh, supersede him as a starter if they decide not to pay Mack. I mean, I'm fascinated. What I do like about the pick, Greg, is it shows that they aren't, hopefully, aren't going to give the long-term extension to Mack because I, I just don't – it's nothing against Mack, who I think is a really nice player. 
I don't think you give the long-term lucrative extensions to guys like that. No, they, they just drafted max replacement for pennies on the dollar. And, and a guy is probably going to be as good as Mac, you know, pro- probably is. And, you know, one thing about you're describing those constant backs. And, and my first thought was you're describing kind of these Japanese pitchers that they just get burned out in Japan, burned out, but they put up crazy numbers. They strike out crazy numbers of people. And they come over here and their arms are falling off because they pitched so many innings in Japan. I mean, there's very few exceptions, but there is the occasional exception. Taylor, uh, three three years, not four. So that's a reason to believe. But another reason to believe is the guy just ran wind sprints to the end zone. I mean, he he didn't get hit every time. <laughs> he, he just kept running until the end zone stopped him a whole bunch. So anyway, I, I like the pick and, and, I, and I get – I, I mean, I guess I, I get a little bit how running backs are overvalued, or, or well, not anymore. They're they've been. I, I get the 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 trend towards we can go out and find somebody, and and yeah, so a lot of times you can, but you can't find somebody like this. I think. Uh, I mean, I think if Marlon Mack doesn't play here next year, I think Jonathan Taylor runs for fifteen hundred yards. I mean, I think he's. So I, I mean, this this guy strikes me as real special. For whatever it's worth, he had more, and this is an insane stat, and I'm not going to take credit for it. I saw somebody else in my feed tweeted this. He had more 200-plus yard rushing games in college than he had single-digit, uh, or uh, excuse me, non-triple-digit, under 100-yard rushing games. So he had 12 200-plus yard rushing games. He was held under 100 yards nine times. <laughs> That's just stupid. Pretty good. Uh, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's incredibly, incredibly productive. Anybody else from the rest of the draft class? Because, look, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm a, a real expert on, you know, Isaiah Rogers' career at UMass. It sounds like he's going to be um, a nice special teams player for them. Ditto for the Glasgow kid from Michigan, who I actually did see play a little bit because he played in the Big Ten. But uh, anybody else jumped out to you about in, in the later rounds that the Colts took? Um, well, I mean, Rogers, I, I – there was reference to his speed and I wasn't watching the draft. So I, I didn't, I had to Google like, what was his time? It was apparently a four, three something. He's, he's, and Dominique Cromartie Rogers, cousin. There's so many damn Cromarties out there. I, and we had one here that stunk. I don't know. It was it that one that he's the cousin of. Yeah. Antonio Cromartie. And then Dominique Rogers Cromartie. Which one is he uh, related to? He's related to Dominique, right? Yes. Or I both. Think that's right. Okay. Let me look. So he's apparently, I mean, he's got that kind of speed, which is real fascinating. Um, you know, that, that, that receiver out of, I guess, Washington State has similar measurables to Michael Pittman. You know, that's very interesting to me. They got two of these big guys. Uh, it's interesting to me they love Pinter, love him as a center or a guard. And Ryan Kelly is, I mean, I think he's here for the next eight years. We know Quentin Nelson's here for the next 10 years. Uh, Gluinski, they just, they just re-upped him a couple years ago or a year ago. So I realized that you want depth in the offensive line. Um, I mean, I guess they just drafted an elite backup at guard and center, which is pretty good to have. Yeah. Joe writes, you know, they, they want to have the Swiss army knife guy and they think that he can be maybe that Swiss army knife guy for them. Um, and you know, the, the kid from Utah Blackman, I know some people were mad that maybe that was a little bit of a reach because it was a third round and he was projected as a fourth or fifth round guy, but Sounds like, you know, he, he moved from corner to safety, so maybe he can be a little bit of a hybrid as a defensive back as well. Who knows? Um, you know, it's it's hard to really know, Greg, right? We're talking about these guys based on, you know, two minutes of YouTube highlights. And I know there are people that dive into all of these prospects, and it's what they do for a living. But, um, you know, until a guy is actually drafted by the team, 
you know, I, I can't pay attention to 800 different guys. You know what I mean? And then well, just the, hope that the Colts draft some of them. And the thing is, is that when you look at their highlights, the highlights are pretty much by definition them at their best. Yeah, you're right. You know, you, you know Ben Banigo, Ben Banigou looked, and he's fine. He's a fine player. But, I mean, you look at his highlights at TCU, and holy cow, he's going to be sacking people left and right. No, he's not. I mean, he's, he's, a nice, he's a nice college player, and he'll be a decent pro. But, yeah, you, you look at the highlights – I mean, heck, if you just looked at my uh, my highlights, writing stories, I write like two or three good ones a year. You might think, wow, that guy's really good. Now, nah, a couple times, a couple times a year. That's all it takes. That's you all have a higher batting at. average than that. You have a higher batting average than that when it comes to the columns. I got definitely, two words definitely more doubles and triples and homers than strikeouts. Rogers, Hornsby. There you go. <laughs> uh, I wonder who, who by the way, I'm so old, I saw him play. Yeah, that's right. We already talked about the facial hair being gray and, and the bald and all that. Um, one last thing that I wanted to fit in, because I'm reading it right now in, in, on the Indy Star Sports section, IndyStar.com. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis is going to come back for year number two. He announced it on Twitter. Um, I don't think that's really a surprise, Greg, but good to know that the Hoosiers are getting back uh, a homegrown talent who, you know, it, it's rare. And I don't want to make this sound like a knock on anybody specific, but sometimes these Mr. Basketballs and five stars come in and they're advertised as one thing, and they end up being pretty good, but not quite what they're advertised as. I, I think Trace Jackson was just as good as what he was advertised as being, don't you? He was actually um, he was a little better than I thought he was going to be. Um, I mean, his ceiling is is great, but you know, when a six nine a six nine guy with no perimeter game, it's hard to dominate. It's hard because you're down low, you're against men, and he's still you know you're, he's springier springier than everybody in high school. And damn it, he was springier than everybody in college too. <laughs> That's hard to do. So <clears throat> he was better than I thought he'd be. Not much better, but a little bit better. So yeah, it's good he's coming back because if if you're going to play in the NBA more than eight minutes a game, you got to be able to put the ball on the floor and, and and shoot threes. And and maybe he can hadn't shown us yet. But it's kind of a, a Jackson Davis, although they don't share the same last name, Taven Jackson, right? Taven Jackson, not Jackson Davis, just Taven Jackson. Got a scholarship offer. His brother got a scholarship offer to IU. Uh, to play quarterback, and I, I saw Taven. Um, I think he was a state championship game. In fact, I know it was. Um, I don't think they won, uh, but they, he was trying to rally him back. And apparently, I saw him as his absolute best. Oh, but wow. it was it was the state championship game in the fourth quarter with the game, and not like garbage time where you're down 40. So you can just throw YOLO throws. No, it was, they're down like a one or two touchdowns and he's driving the team. And I mean, it's all kinds of pressure in the world. And I, what I, and he was a sophomore, this is just a couple months ago. And what I saw was a future Mr. Football. I mean, I saw a guy that you, and I told him after the game, Hey, you're, you know, stay humble. I said to him, stay humble. But I remember you mentioning this. Yeah. You yeah. talked about this on the podcast. I want to say. Yeah. I just, I really enjoyed that moment because I, I, not that he'll, who knows if he'll listen to me, but, um, I enjoyed not just saying, wow, you're good, but trying to give him just a, a small little nudge of, because I'm sure his dad tells him that all the time. I'm sure his high school coaches tell him that all the time, but maybe hear it from somebody else. Hey, stay humble, but you're going to win this football in two years. So I, I, I'm not surprised IU offered him, and I can see him being a great player somewhere someday. I feel like there's a, that's a future column in like 2022 or something like that, maybe, maybe even sooner than that. You can check out the rest of Greg's work. Uh, the Tri-West softball player. That Tell me again what you call that. Senior class? Is that what you're calling that feature where you, you pick a new player every single week? An, an, an Indiana high school senior? 
I caught my senior class project and senior class is one word hashtag senior class. Yeah. Gotcha. And, and, and yeah, the try West softball last week. Um, Bishop Chatard, Bishop Chatard track coming up this week on Thursday. These kids have great stories. They've got, they've got great stories and some of them don't know they have great stories and they're like, their coaches are suggesting they're suggesting, Hey, why don't you write about this senior? And they just think that senior's good or a nice person. And I get that senior on the phone and I find out, wait a minute, what? Um, these people all have a, wait a minute, what in their background and the, the, the challenge is figuring out what that, what is and getting them to admit it and talk about it. But it's, uh, it, I've enjoyed it very much. I've got one coming up by the way, in a few weeks, in a few weeks will blow your mind. I mean, I, I, I've written five or six of them so far. I think the one this week is six. Number seven will absolutely blow your mind, blow your mind. Looking forward to it. Uh, also, Jacob Eason and your thoughts on the draft. You can check it all out at IndyStar.com. Please subscribe if you aren't already and support that local journalism. And uh, we'll be back soon with another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast. I'm assuming still on video as well. Greg, you have a great week, my man. I appreciate you, Derek. Thank you. You too.